With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. We haven't talked this this particular guest in a while. Under the weather, conflict changes uh, as far as schedule, but she is back. Your favorite furniture distress in mind, the pride of Tennessee, Candy Mathis. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing well, Terry. How are you? I am good. Now, let's talk about this guy. I'm, I'm just gonna not, not going to say his name because I don't think he needs the quite of the attention or credit, but I have a question for you. When you go swimming or you go to a pool, what is the object that you wear called? It's a bathing suit. See? It's, I agree. And this dude decided to make a whole tweet about how Joe Biden, president, saying bathing suit is another example of how he's, quote, a zillion years old. Why are people nitpicking and stupid? Yeah, I don't know. I read that to my friend when you sent it to me. I was sitting there drinking coffee with her, and she just looked at me like I had three heads. She was like, it's a bathing suit. What the fuck else is he supposed to say? And I was like, you know, I don't I don't get it. Every time we go back to a competent president, you know, with Obama, it was a tan suit, and he used gray Poupon, so ooh, he must have been fancy. And I, but it's a bathing suit. Like, I don't know anyone that says swimsuit. We thought maybe that was a northern word. You know, because in the South, it's certainly bathing suit. But, I mean, they just kill me. I'm assuming this dude was a far lefter. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the it's just ridiculous. I guarantee that his – that he knows someone that says bathing suit. Even if you're in Michigan or wherever the most nasal accent you can think of. Sorry, Midwesterners. But, like, you know, where they say, your mom and salsa and pop. Like, I bet there's people there that says bathing suit, too. Oh, I live in Wisconsin. People say bathing suit all the time. I say bathing suit. I'm not from here, but I say it. This dude, it strikes as incel to me, and I get in so much trouble for mocking incels. But I'm sorry if he really can't uh, get lucky. That's not really our problem. Like, he's angry. I, I, I think it speaks to how competent Biden is or how much his administration is getting done that, I mean, immediately, only a few months after being there, we're already back to, you know, far left and the right, picking on shit like that because they have nothing else. That's the issue. And it's one of those things that I look at it, I'm like, if this is the worst thing that Biden does, like call a bathing suit, a bathing suit. America's in pretty decent hands for the next four years. I just. At least he didn't brag about how he could walk in on teams in bathing suits or in between changing from evening gowns to bathing suits. At least we don't have a president that bragged about that on tape. I don't think this guy has, the one who tweeted, either seen a woman in a bathing suit or a woman without a bathing suit or anything else. It just, it strikes me as weird and kind of petulant from him. Now, 
Speaking of weird, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. From what her book said, that she was kind of upset that she wasn't named Joe Biden's vice president or his vice presidential nominee. So she decided to take it upon herself. In an interview with Kara Voigt of Mother Jones, she said when it comes to the job package and if she's going to hold it up, if it doesn't include a sizable child care dollars, we're not there yet. I want to make clear the infrastructure train moves forward. Child care will not be left in the station once again. Now, this is a two-part question for me. I'm a parent. I have two little kids. Why does it seem like there's always a push to either punish people who didn't want children, could not have children, or, or just circumstances didn't break down for them that well or happen for them that way in lieu of why would Elizabeth Warren hold up the jobs bill when it is vital and necessary? I don't know. I think the first is a good question. Like, um, you know, the Katie Porter tweet I saw the other day about her, if she broke out her whiteboard again, and, you know, God. the child care, the child child tax credit, I don't even know what it's called because I don't have children. But, you know, I'm kind of more like Obama. I've heard Obama speak on this before talking about how, you know, we punish elderly people or even single people and how there really are no tax incentives for them. And it's not fair. Like Republicans, when they want to get on the good side of working class, they'll always, you know, it just showcases how far removed they are from poverty or working struggles that they always think that, you know, a tax credit takes care of, um, you know, that that's the dog, that's the bone they throw to the working class. But for people who either their kids are grown, they're elderly, they live on a fixed income, or they're like me and they don't have children, like, those people deserve tax breaks too. And, you know, we really don't have any incentives for them. So I do think that that's a problem within our tax code because if you're 55 and you live on a, or even a senior on Social Security, I mean, I, I've never understood why, Someone who makes $11,000 a year can get back 7000 from the, the government. But if you're on, you know, seventeen or 18000 a year and you're retired and under the poverty level, you really have no, you really have no tax breaks. So I think that's a good question. But two, with Elizabeth Warren, I guess she's championed herself as this, like the only mother in the Senate. But I just feel like she's a contrarian, like, why would Biden have picked her? What did she offer to the ticket? Um, the Bernie bros had already turned on her. So I don't even see why she thought she would have been the choice when she came in third in her home state. For me, Liz Warren could be kind of summed up when Kamala Harris during one of the debates said that Trump's Twitter account should be suspended because of his willingness to push hate and to push violence and Liz Warren mocked her for it. Come to find out Liz Warren then months later, even a year or so later decided to sit there and champion the cause of his Twitter account being suspended where Kamala Harris made this, made this point forever ago. And yet she tried to make it hers. She even tried to use like other signage and slogans from other candidates. I don't think Liz Warren has ever had an original thought. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. While you were talking, I was 
thinking, you know, she has an authenticity problem with me. I mean, we know she was a Republican. Like, she never actually addressed that. But to me, I've been a Democrat since I was in elementary school. Like, that's no exaggeration. But she was a grown adult, college-educated, teaching, as we've heard her talk about, and was still a Republican during Reagan botching the AIDS crisis and the Iron-Contra scandal and everything else. So to me, that's a, that's already a problem right there. But I do feel like she recycles ideas. She's kind of like Bernie. She gets credit for shit that's not really her idea just because some of the far-lefters like her. I've, I've never – I like Liz. I do like Liz. But I, I kind of put Liz and AOC in the same boat sometimes. More about the attention and being seen than it is actually getting anything done. I agree. I think that Liz, she's a good senator. Like, as far as keeping the seat blue in Massachusetts, which is a predominantly blue state, but they have a Republican governor, and we will, we will never be sure how that would transpire. But when we come back from break, we got to discuss – educational fuckery in Colorado. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast. Terrence Biggs, Candy Mathis, Candy. Apparently, in Colorado, there was a classroom that decided to reenact the George Floyd murder. The St. Vrain Valley School District in Longmont, Colorado decided to investigate something that happened on the grounds of Mead High School, which shows that this is from Ross Story that appears to show a blackface reenactment of the murder. This photo shows one person wearing blackface on the ground while another knees, oh, another one kneels on their neck. Another person is seen with their knee on the other person's back, reported Allison Slythe, a spokesperson for the St. Vrain Valley Schools. And I'm out of words. Like, who thinks this is smart? I mean, blackface for one, but who reacts? murder in the class. What's next? Are they going to have pretend lynchings? I mean, who, what is wrong with human beings? I can't even find the words to, to, to my outrage, I guess. Like, who, who, I, I don't even get it. I mean, are they going to reenact cross burnings? I mean, what, because that was what that, this was a modern day, George Floyd's murder was a modern-day lynching. It was the same shit that we saw during the civil rights struggle where state troopers in Alabama shot people or, you know, back at the turn of the century when they would lynch black guys for making eye contact with a white guy. You know, this was modern-day lynching. That's exactly what it was. Who who thought 
that they needed to illustrate. Like, like, I am shocked. Gut the entire school system, the teacher, the principal, the superintendent, anybody that employed somebody that would do that. I'm like, what? I, I mean, I can't even. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It is mind-numbing. Like, I don't understand how people can think this is okay. It, I think it speaks to just how out of touch some people are. Like, we like to think that we're all kind of on the same page. Like, even if you're not as focused on social justice and, you know, equality and not into activism, you would think that most of us in 2021 have, you know, an accepted societal bylaws that we all adhere to, basically. I mean, but we've seen since the rise of Donald Trump and the Tea Party and the white last year Obama's election that it's like we're going backwards. I mean, I think we can all acknowledge that. But have we gone so far back that there are – I bet the people who did this – don't even understand what the outrage is because, you know, they never do. You catch these Karens on video, people get caught, racist tirades, and they always seem so shocked that anyone had a problem with what they were doing. To me, it is stunning that there is a just a nonsense factor that folks in this school – that they decide to partake in this nonsense. Speaking of partaking in nonsense and destructive behavior, Texas Governor Greg Abbott tweeted out the heart bill is now law in Texas. The heart bill, heartbeat bill is now law in Texas. This bill ensures the life of every unborn child would be saved from the ravages of abortion. Pretty much if there's a child with a heartbeat, you know, they're pretty much safe from abortion no matter what as a woman how do you not just ball up your fist and start like punching men who decide to decide to tell you what you can and cannot do with your body oh i would totally punch a man who tried to tell me what to do with my body if i thought y'all on twitter had my a gofundme for my bail but we know what they're doing right like these bills are designed they are so long as most of the district courts are in agreement to what is and is not constitutional, the Supreme Court would never really take up an argument against Roe v. Wade again. Well, now that they have Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh, these states know what they're doing. I mean, they, it's not like they're passing restrictions that they think are legal. They are intentionally passing legislation that is as unconstitutional as it possibly can be because they want it to be challenged in court. When it goes to the higher courts and the district courts are in disagreement, you know, you've got, say, courts in, you know, the north saying, no, no, we can't do that, while district court in the south is saying uh, that they're upholding this legislation, then that is how they get it before the Supreme Court. And now that they have their justices and they have the votes to overturn Roe v. Wade, I mean, that is that is what they're doing. And we knew starting as soon as they got Kavanaugh on the court and when Trump won election that the, that they were going to they were going to do this in every southern state they can and that is intentionally their goal because for the first time in our lifetimes we can't say 
for certainty that a woman's right to choose is going to be protected. I mean, I think we all know if this goes before the Supreme Court, if they get what they want, then there's a serious chance that we're all in trouble. Speaking of nonsense and backwardness, we got to talk about your home state of Tennessee. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah. So there's a law requiring businesses must hang a sign in front of restrooms that says something to the effect of, this facility maintains a policy of allowing the use of restrooms by either biological sex, regardless of the definition on the restroom. This is pretty much an anti-trans bill. Like anti-trans law now. Why are so people hung up where people pee? Jesus Mick HVAC strikes again. And if you don't know why I call Governor Lee Jesus Mick HVAC for anybody listening, he quotes the Bible and he's a heat and air man, inherited a inherited an heat and air business from his father, and that was his only requirement to run for governor before the dumbasses in the state elected him. And he has done nothing but push, you know, the agenda of the evangelicals in the House while having absolutely no idea what he's doing. So I knew that this would be – it would only be a matter of time till we did this because the folks around here, I have no idea why, but it truly is one of their biggest hang-ups. They're, they're worried about, you know, building a wall and immigrants and – trans people because somehow trans has become a synonym for pedophile. Like, that's how they view it, and they can't separate it. You can't convince them that a trans human is simply seeking to empty their bladder or that trans kids in high school want to be able to urinate without being bullied because the bathroom is a place where trans kids often have the shit beat out of them. But to them, it truly is. I mean, you can tell the intelligence of somebody based on their stance on the bathroom bill. It is just the ignorant, belligerent, dropped out in the eighth grade dumbasses who talk about men in dresses molesting little girls in the bathroom. Meanwhile, you've got pedophiles in Congress. Mm-hmm. And it's just absurd. For me, it's like this. If I'm going to the bathroom and anyone who's had a few beers, I'm sure you can relate to this. You had a few beers and you got to go. You got to pee. Like, you got to, as bluntly as this sounds, you got to break the seal. You got to pee. If you're in the bathroom to pee or anything else, pee or number two, go. Go to use the bathroom. Second, wash your fucking hands. Then you can leave. Why, Why is that hard? Why is washing hands hard? Because people are nasty, and they have no – like my grandma was Southern, and I'm sure you probably heard this this this, this term. <clears throat> people have no home training. They have no home training. That's exactly it. Well, the bathroom, like I don't drink anymore. I haven't drank since George W. Bush was in office. But when I drank, I drank like a grown-ass man. I could out-drink a grown-ass man. And we used to go to the Coliseum. Uh, the Titans, but really Bridgestone because it was hockey. Um, the bathrooms there are notoriously long for the women, and the men get in and out. So if I had to go pee, you know which one I went in? The men's. I didn't give a shit. And I have never once had a man traumatized because he saw a female come out of the stall. 
Like, these people are just so full of shit. It's just, like, it's just, it's weird, and it's awkward that folks are still hung up on this. Now, last question I'm going to ask you is, you as a business owner, and when you see businesses and you see Republican politicians lament the labor shortage, do you, do you think that they're just oblivious as fuck? Because if you think about it, it's not a labor shortage. It's a refusing to work for shitty wages shortage. How do you explain that to other business owners? Well, I think it's absurd that these are the same people that have told fast food workers or restaurant workers, if you don't like your job, you just need to get some incentive, better your life, try harder, right? That's all the bullshit they say. So during this pandemic, people had opportunity to do that. They had time off. Some people had unemployment. So people have decided they don't have to work for those wages anymore. You know, that if the government won't pass legislation to raise the minimum wage, then they're just not going to take these jobs because we're at a place where they don't have to because jobs are plentiful. And now the the free market people suddenly have a problem with that. Like, you know, when it came to a cake, why do you have to go to a gay base? You know, if somebody doesn't want to bake you a cake, don't go there, right? That's what we heard all the time. Now, same thing. If you don't pay your workers enough, people are not going to work for you, and they suddenly have a problem with that. And I really think it's because half these people only make about $13 an hour at the factory anyway. So they're holding on to the idea that their job working on the line at $13 an hour makes them better than somebody making seven seventy five at McDonald's. And if we actually raise wages, well, nobody can live on 13 I mean, in this town, rents are $1,200, and that's if you can find an apartment. And so you can't even live. I mean, we've got a McDonald's here paying $13 an hour and a $1,000 sign-on bonus because they can't get employees. It's out at a truck stop in the middle of nowhere. And I have actually seen the backlash from people I know upset about this, about how they don't think anybody flipping burgers should be able to make 13 an hour. But the flip side of that is if you live in this town with the boom that we've inherited from Nashville, you can't, you can't even pay your rent and your utilities on 13 an hour. So the only other choice you have would then be to file for government assistance. So these people are so fucking idiotic that they would rather tax dollars subsidize the life of people working for wages they can't live on than actually admit that they have a shitty fucking job too. That's a thing. Now, one of our last questions is I know that the last time we spoke, you said that you're getting back into the your business, which is furniture distressing. I got furniture distressing questions. Now, okay. how'd you get started? Um, honestly, I've painted for like 20 years, just have something to do, but I had a yard sale and um, I had some pieces that I had done that people were, like, flipping out over. So after the yard sale, I had a piece of furniture that didn't sell, and it was after my twins that I was a nanny for got in um, preschool. And it was during the election of 2016, and I had a lot of rage, and I needed something to do with it, and I had some time during the day. So I just painted a piece in the garage that I had, and I posted it on our local, like, Facebook marketplace, and I had about – 20 people immediately fighting for it. And I thought, well, okay. So I sold it. I took the money. I found another cheap dresser at the Goodwill, and I did it again, and a business was born. So how many pieces do you think you'll do in a year? 
oh, God, when I was at the height of mine, like, really booming, um, back before um, the Cambridge Analytical and Facebook got caught, so many people, like, ditched their Facebook, back at that height, I mean, I could sometimes do roughly about four or five pieces a day. Because I'm really fast at it. Yeah, I could do a dresser. I did a dresser in the morning, a dresser in the evening. Then I would have, like, little side pieces, like a little side table or something that I would work on in between. But I have done as much as five pieces of big furniture in one day. Now that you are going to go back to it, are you excited about going back into the business full time? I am. I was, you know, it's such hard work that for a while I needed a little break. So when the pandemic happened and all the thrift stores and everything shut down, I needed a little break, but what really gets me ready about going back into it is when I see that there's somebody else that started doing it here locally, like especially since I haven't been. I'm so competitive that, like, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I'm like, I will squash you, bitch. Like, so that's why I'm really excited. <laughs> to get now, yeah. I'm actually kind of, like, kind of curious. Do you have a website or post pictures of what, what you do? Yeah, it's um, the New Deal Distressing on Facebook is where I, you can see almost everything I've ever done. Um, or on Pinterest. I do have an Instagram, same handle, but I don't really use it a lot. But if you follow me on Twitter, I was going through my SD card yesterday, and that's not even – I mean, that was just like a sample of one SD card. I probably have fifteen or 20,000 photos, I swear. Um I uploaded a bunch of it. So if you're on Twitter and you're interested in seeing what I do, you can peep at that on my timeline from yesterday. Now, before we get out of here, can we can you tell people where they can interact with you on social media? Yes, it's at Candy Mathis, C-A-N-D-I-M-A-T-H-I-S, on Twitter. And then uh, if you have any questions, you can just tweet me, and I'll tell you where you can see all my work. Now, last question. Fried okra? Or Hush Puppies? Which hush one? Puppies. <laughs> That's quick. So, so you're not yeah. a fan of the fried okra? No. But, it tastes like something uh, good's supposed to be in it, but then you bite into it and it's just mushy. <laughs> Candy Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on the Black Tuesday podcast. I enjoyed it, friend. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Be good to yourselves. Damn it, be good to each other.